Welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast from the Western Front Association. I'm Dr Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the First World War and have over 60 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. It is the 2nd of April, it is Easter Monday, and this is episode number 57. In this programme, I talk to GP Dr Ersan Malik about his research into the Great War contribution of his ancestral village of Dolmial, which is located in the Punjab area of Pakistan. Also, today is the first outing for our new logo, which I hope you will consider an improvement on the old version. I spoke to Ersan in March from his home in Nottingham. Ersan, welcome to the Dispatches podcast. Could you start by telling us about how you got yourself involved and interested in the Great War? It's a very interesting story. So four years ago, I started off by looking into the history of my great-grandfathers who originated from from a small village called Dulmial, which is in Punjab in present-day Pakistan. And they both actually were part of the First World War. So it was just um, looking at their family history and where they'd gone in the war that triggered off my interest in the First World War. Also at that time, my day job is is a GP and I often ask patients what work they do. And there was one particular patient and he said he was looking at the Commonwealth involvement in, in the Great War as part of some research that he was doing. So I said, well, you would be very interested in the, in the history of my ancestors and our village uh, of Dulmial. And uh, that's how it started off four years ago. And I've just built up on that since that time as I've collected more and more archives, photographs and uh, stories and uh, important narratives from that time. So whereabouts is the village of Dulmial in terms of Pakistan, its geography and its location? So Dulmial is a hundred miles south of Islamabad, which is Pakistan's capital. It's set in the Salt Range region, which is the foothills of the Himalayas in Punjab. And it's a small, dusty village. It's got a population of about 10,000 at the moment. Um, And most uh, of of the villagers there are involved in agriculture and farming. But actually going back uh, into history, um, we've got references to the area going back to 630 AD when um, a Chinese traveler called Haisen Xiang visited the area and also visited the local Buddhist temples at Kitas Raj. Um, And he documented at that time that the people of this region were, were very courageous and warlike. Also close to the village, there's a, a, a place called Kura, which has um, the, the second largest salt mines in, in the world. And that's where our Himalayan rock salt that people can buy in the supermarket comes from. So it, the rock salt's not from the Himalayas, but it's actually from these, these foothill areas. Also, what's, what's special about the area is that 100 years ago, it had uh, and has still got a, a, a school which was started off uh, by the Belgian Capuchin Christian monks, which is called the Belgian Mission High School in a village called Dalwal, which is near to Dulmial. Um, so this is important that children had an opportunity to read and write English and become educated um, 100 years ago when many people were just going into farming and 
looking after the land at that time. The area is predominantly Muslim, um, and a hundred years ago there were some Sikh and Muslim families uh, at that time. But after partition, uh, almost all of them moved over to the to the Indian side. I understand that in your research, you found that about 460 out of 800 men in the village actually served in the Indian Army during the Great War. This is a really amazingly high statistic when you compare it to a lot of English. English villages. Can you tell us a bit about who they were and what they did uh, in the Indian Army in the Great War? Yes, so so going back and looking at Dulmial's history, the the soldiers from this village actually supported the British since the Indian Mutiny of 1857. Um, And then later on at the time of the Great War, as you said, 460 out of 800 males at that time um, took part in the Great War. So this 800 figure included young boys and elderly. So basically anybody who was fit and well at that time joined the army um, as that was was the local tradition at that time. And over a hundred of these men were viceroy commissioned officers. Predominantly they were from a clan called the, the Malik Awans, which was a part of the British martial races which the British recruited from at that time. And actually, we were lucky enough two months ago to find details of 440 of these soldiers, which units they were in. Um, And so we divided them up, and most of them were in the Punjab regiments. For example, the 19th had 60 soldiers in, the 33rd Punjab regiment had 52, the 46th regiment had 91, the 89th Regiment had 59 soldiers, and also in the 27th Cavalry, there were 46 men in there as well. And they took part in all theatres of war, you know, across the world, Western Front, Mesopotamia. We were also able to find out the men who had died, uh, of which there were nine and uh, one passed away in Darsis Salam, another one in Tehran, another one, uh, three in, in Delhi, two in Basra, and one uh, was killed uh, on the Western Front, and his memorial is at New Chapelle. His name was uh, Ismail Khan, and he was with the 33rd Punjab Regiment, and it looks like he was killed at the, in the Battle of Luz. Also, I looked further at my great-grandfather's history. His name was Subadar Muhammad Khan. And he was with the 33rd Punjab Regiment as well. Um, and he, we have a photograph of him at the Delhi Darbar in, in 1911. And also he was fortunate enough to be chosen to come to London in 1911 for King George V's coronation as well. So those stories have been passed down through the generations. Unfortunately, we didn't have any photos from, from London. And did those men join up um, as career soldiers in, in the tradition of the, of the British Army? Or were they um, similar to the civilian uh, volunteers who joined up across the United Kingdom? It, it was a mixture. So because of the long military traditions in the village, there were already established uh, career soldiers there. And at the beginning of the First World War, there were actually 30 pensioned uh, officers who had retired in the village. And they, w- they were uh, chosen to recruit uh, from the village when the need came. Uh, in the First World War for, for more s- soldiers to take part. So in answer to your question, it was, a, it was a mixture. So why did men join up? Were there sort of stories passed down um, or records explaining why people uh, wanted to, to join up and, and fight in the Great War? 
So this is again focusing on on the long military history of the of the region and the vil, uh, village, but mainly it was for honor, respect, which we say is that in in Urdu, less so for financial reasons. Um, and uh, the more highly decorated soldiers, you know, they received more honors. They they were rewarded with land, money, uh, and status as well. So this was the, the the driving force behind why why men were 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 recruited. It was just something that everybody, uh, the men and the boys, did and looked up to in the village. Also close by to this village is the village of Dub where Khutadad Khan um, came from, originated from, and he was the first Indian and first Muslim Victoria Cross recipient. Um, so the entire region had a, had a very strong history um, of being part of, of the British Indian Army at the time. And does the area today still have a, a strong military tradition with the Pakistani armed forces? Yes. So after the First World War, um, there was a great contribution in the Second World War. And from this particular village, there were over 800 soldiers. And then later on, even up to this day, um, the, the recruitment for, uh, for the Pakistan army uh, has continued. Um, and there's countless officers and four generals uh, since partition that have uh, originated from this village that, that, that served with the Pakistan army. So that tradition has has carried on, uh, less so, not in the percentages that that it was happening before. So we come to the end of the war. That they, these men have served across the globe. What happens to them when they return? Most of them were, were quite thankful to to return to their families and um, back to their their lifestyle, their rural lifestyle of, of farming and and agriculture. Because during this time, it was quite tough for the. It was mainly women who were who were left behind, and they had all those extra duties of looking after the land and the animals. But the, an interesting story was that the most highly decorated officer of Durmial, his name was Captain Ulam Mohammed. He was asked by the British that what reward would the village want in recognition of, of this, the, the services that uh, the village had rendered, and especially the record 460 men, which was a record for any South Asian village and contribution in the Great War. And he was a lifelong artillery man, um, and his response was a cannon. We would like a cannon for the village. So 100 years ago, this, was, this caused controversy in the village as well, that you know, some of the women and families were saying, you know, why have you chosen a, a lump of metal for this village when you you could have chosen anything, you know, water, food, money, whatever. Uh, but because he was a lifelong artillery man, that, that's what he, he wanted. And it was actually Field Marshal Lord William Birdwood who, who made that decision and said, yes, we will get you a cannon presented to this village. And in 1925, a 12-pounder Bloomfield design cannon, which was an ex-British naval gun, um, was uh, was recommended for this village, and it was made in Karen Ironwork in Falkirk in 1816. So it's, at present, it's 202 years old. And it was based in Jhelum at the 1st Punjab Regiment, and it came by train to the nearest town, Chakwal. And then the last 40 kilometers, it was transported by oxen cart to Dulmial. So um, first they had six oxen, and they became very tired because it was a very heavy gun. 
and they had to send out 10 more oxen to, to finish off the journey. And it actually took two weeks for this cannon to be placed in the center of the village. And there it remains to this day, um, and it's now become a tourist attraction. People from all around the world come and visit and have their photo taken with this cannon. And it's still in very, very good condition, even though it's uh, 202 years old. Everybody coming in and leaving the village, um, you know, it's, it's on the main route there. Because in India, um, war memorials are not very common. But this acts as a, as a memorial for those men who, who took part in the Great War. Um, and it's an incredibly strong symbol. And sometimes I think if the cannon had not been there, then, then maybe I wouldn't have been talking about this history because in many other villages, um, this important shared history that we have uh, has been forgotten. But because we have this strong symbol uh, that uh, you know the, the youngsters and, and the message can get carried over to, to the generations. Now the cannon, you people can actually see pictures of the cannon on your website. So what is your website? And also I should add, I gather you're available for talks um, around the East Midlands area and further. Um, if people would like to hear more about uh, Dulmial. That's right. So my website is www.dulmial.co and I'm you know, on the list for uh, talks for WFA and other organizations and I'm happy to pop out and um, you know, talk depending on uh, you know, my work schedule as, as well. Ersan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Tom. You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Butterworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Rusman and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time.